ebooks and paperbacks are very different. The design is very different. If you go to a bookstore, you're gonna see things that you wouldn't see in ebook formats. A lot of times authors will have different covers for paperback and a different cover for ebook for the same book. Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we discuss meaningful ways to get better results with your author business. We've all heard the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover. Wikipedia calls that phrase an idiom, and they describe it as a metaphorical phrase which means you shouldn't prejudge the worth or value of something by its outward appearance alone. Well, we all wish that were true, but of course, readers do judge books by the cover. And uh, as you might have guessed, today's show is all about book covers and cover design. Our guest is Elizabeth McKay, who, as you'll hear during the show, has designed covers for several author biz guests, including C.A. Newsom, Bobby Holmes, and a favorite of many indie authors, Russell Blake. In this episode, we'll get into her process for designing covers and then dig into some of the details between the differences of designing covers for standalone books as compared to designing covers for a series. We'll get into the importance of fonts and even dig into some of the resources that Elizabeth uses in her cover design business. Now, this week's show lends itself really well to video, so we recorded it in video as well, and one of the things that makes the video version of the show nice is that you'll be able to see the covers that we're talking about, because when they're available, I've, I've dropped the covers right inside the video so that you can see them as Elizabeth is talking about the different elements uh, of those covers. You can, of course, find that a video version of the show at the AuthorBiz website and at the, the AuthorBiz YouTube channel. You'll still get 95% of the value listening the way you normally do, but this is one episode that you might consider watching. A couple things before we get to the show. I saw something late last week that interested me. I've seen it before, but I like the way it's being done in this particular instance. And it has to do with adding well, attracting people to your email list. We all are familiar with that technique that is taught and, and widely used of giving away copies of books to get people to sign up for your email list. And that works well if you've got, you know, 10 books in a series, you can give away the first book. Or if you have multiple series, you can give away the first book in each of the series as a way of attracting readers. But what about those of us who don't have multiple books and, and those of us who don't have multiple series? How can we do that? Well, Bruce Cantwell, who is a huge friend to the mystery and thriller community, has a wonderful blog that he calls The Mysterious News, and it's at brucecantwell.com. And beginning with his most recent post on August 5th, he's posting parts of his new book, The Cantalonian Candidate. The book is not available for sale. He's only releasing it through his website. And I think he's doing it in five parts. So each week, there is a good chunk of the book. He did this last year with uh, a book called The Last Heartthrob that was the first book in his Walter Forbes 
mystery slash thriller series. And I sort of got hooked on the idea of reading it as a serial at that time. So he's doing it again this year, but he's doing it a little bit differently. As a way of encouraging people to sign up for the email list, he's just posting the beginning of the section that he's posting, and then a little notification that says there's more available to new subscribers. So it's a really clever idea. I'm anxious to see how it works, to talk to uh, Bruce at, at the end of the process to see how it worked for him. He was nice enough to send me the complete version of The Cantalonian Candidate, which I started reading yesterday. I really enjoyed book one in the Walter Forbes series, and I'm enjoying this one even more. It's wonderful. Congratulations, Bruce. This is really nice. I'm halfway through, and I will finish it today, but I'm really enjoying it. It's uh, He calls it a political romance thriller. Uh, it's, it's sort of a mixture of things. It's cleverly written. And uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. One last thing. I don't know whether or not you saw this in the news last week, but draft to digital has released something that they're calling a universal book link. And it's essentially a free system for generating a universal link for your book. So you know that thing where you post on your website books available at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble and at Kobo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, with this universal link, there's just one link that you post, and the first time a reader clicks on that link, it pops up all the stores that are available. It pops up a, a web page that lists all the stores that are available. They select their store, and they're presented with a question. Do you want us to remember this store as your preferred store? If, you, if the reader selects yes, it will, it will remember whatever that store was. So it's very convenient from a reader perspective. Uh, from an author perspective, it's also very convenient. The way it works is you just take the link from any of the stores where your book is available. So in my testing, I used Amazon. You take the link, you plug it in at books2read.com, and that's the number two. So books, the number two, read.com. And again, this is a free service. You plug it in, and it goes out and searches all of the stores where digital books are available or, or the ones that they have relationships with. And it pops in, uh, it, it generates a list of all of them. You can select the ones that you want to make available to your readers, and then copy the link and paste it into your browser, and you'll see exactly what you get. So that's, it's really cool. You have to try it to, to see how well it works. But it, it gets even cooler because they will allow you to use your own affiliate codes. So, for example, if you, if you used Amazon as the place where you get your link, you can just get your Amazon affiliate link and plug it in, and it will have the affiliate code in there. Then if you register your account, it, again, this is free, but if you register it, it keeps track of things, and you can also plug in your affiliate codes for the other digital stores if you have them, and it will save those and automatically apply it to each link. And the last thing, and this is super cool, and it's a good reason to jump on this now rather than later, is that you can build custom links. So... Instead of books2read.com slash gibberish, it can be books2read.com slash title. Some of you may know that I host a podcast with Taylor Stevens called The Taylor Stevens Show, where we talk about the craft of writing. 
And so I'm going to use one of Taylor's books, her most recent as an example. The book title is The Mask. It was published last year. So I created a link on books to read for The Mask, a custom link, and that custom link is bookstoread.com slash The Mask. That's it. It's easy to remember. It's easy to tell your readers. It's easy to tell listeners. Um, so that's the power of the custom link. If you want to see how it works, just type books2read.com slash the mask into your browser and you'll see exactly how it works. It's really clever. It's totally free. This is not an affiliate thing or anything. It's just something that I saw that's really cool and I thought you should know about it. Okay, let's get to today's show. My guest is Elizabeth McKay, and she's a military wife who is also a mom and a freelance graphic designer. She graduated with honors from the Art Institute of California, San Diego, with a Bachelor's of Science degree in graphics design, and she has 14 years of experience in graphic design and over 20 years of experience in fine art. We start this interview with me asking Elizabeth what her process is like for working with an author client. So um, usually I work through email. So I'll get an email and somebody says, hey, I'm interested in having a book cover done. One of my first questions always is what genre are they writing in? Mm -hmm. Because that helps me right off the bat to have kind of an idea of um, what other questions I might ask or things about the story. Um, And I also like to ask, do they have any specific ideas for their covers? Because sometimes clients come to me and they have no idea what they want. And sometimes they have this perfect image in their head of what they want to see. They just don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So these are all questions I ask to start along with, um, you know, an author name, because a lot of times people use a different name than their actual name. Um, many people have pen names. So I always ask their name along with ideas they may have, the genre, the title. And also a very important question is, is the book going to be in a series? Mm-hmm. That greatly changes my design process from the start. If it's a standalone novel, I can kind of feel like I can do anything I want with that one book. Whereas with a series, I have to think of future books in that series and how they will lay out and what kind of images will work within that cover and those fonts. And a lot of times titles are different with books within a series. So if I pick a font, I have to make sure that font will look good with several different title names and not just one title because it will change with each book within the series. So these are all kind of questions I ask in the very beginning. Okay, let's let's use a fictional book from me as as an example. I write okay. mysteries, they take place in South Florida. So if I were your client, what would you ask me via email when we're having this conversation? Well, I would want to know what your story was about, so I'd ask you to give me a short blurb. I don't have time to read every single book that uh, I do a cover for, <laughs> so I won't know every aspect of your story. So mm-hmm. I might ask you, are there any like key elements or things that are important in your story that would make for a good cover? I don't know. Say, say there's a person in your story that carries a specific weapon or wears a certain hat or something that uh-huh. makes it unique. You know, I can try to incorporate that into the cover. Or if it's if your story revolves around a certain city, maybe I'll use that city as a skyline or something to tie into the cover. Um, because you know your story, whereas I don't. So I only know what you tell me. So any little important facts will help me in my design process. 
And what, one of the things that I learned fairly early on when I, when I got into the indie publishing business was, was the idea that a lot of authors, what we think of in terms of the book and what will make a good cover is a great scene within the book. You know, there's this really cool scene and we spent all this time writing it and yeah. somehow or other it would be awesome if that scene and these other five scenes could all be incorporated <laughs> somehow into the cover. Do you, do you run across that yeah. when you talk to people? I, I, a lot of times will have people who want everything, every as, every important aspect of their book on the cover. And I kind of have to sit back and tell them, let's focus on one thing. One important thing, you don't want to give away the whole story on the cover. And plus, people may see that cover and it may not make any sense to them. They won't understand it unless they read the story. We don't want to confuse them before they even start the book. We want to give them a little clue as to what that story is going to be about. So then they can pick it up and read it and want to read more. Okay. And and I think that's something that a lot of us do wrong until we begin to understand what the process is. You mentioned you mentioned the word font. I think we all know what fonts are, but how important is selecting the right font to a cover? Uh, it's very important. It's um, the same as if you were creating a logo for your company. It's very important what font you choose. Uh, fonts can fit the genres. So you're not going to pick some frilly scripted font to go on a science fiction novel mm-hmm. or a, you know, <laughs> a horror book isn't going to have this beautiful font on it. You're going to pick fonts that fit your genre. Plus, I always recommend using uh, two fonts for the cover. You don't want to have what they call like a font explosion where you use like 10 different fonts on your cover. It just gets busy and crowded and it doesn't make any sense. How about where does the title go and where does the author name go? And is it different for for different authors? Do, do people have a preference? I know, like, for example, if I go to the bookstore and I see a book by James Patterson, the most prevalent thing on the cover is James Patterson's name because he's a uh-huh. brand unto himself, whereas a, a lesser-known author, it, it might be – the title itself or, or something else that, that might be more prominent. How do you, how do you make those decisions? I think it's different with every author. Um, I don't always, I don't have a formula. I don't have a formula where, you know, author's names on top titles on the bottom. It's different with every cover. I kind of base it on my design, how the images lay out, where the title fits best within the images that I choose. Um, some authors that I work with, like Melissa Foster, for example, her name, if you look at her books, is very large on the top of her cover. Her covers are branded by her name. That's mm-hmm. what people see. They really, her, her audience really could care less what's on the cover as long as they see her name. Uh-huh. They will buy it. So I think it just depends on the author and the book, really. And you come to the business of designing covers from an artistic background. You had a graphics design background in college. You you have 20 years of experience with fine art. How how does having that kind of an eye help you when it comes to designing covers? Um, <laughs> because I don't have that kind of an eye. I mean, it's really I, easy know, for me to say my cover should have this and this and this, and I I can kind of mock it up together and look at it, and I go, that is just horrible. You know, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. I can just, I, I don't know. I don't want to sound like full of myself or something, but I think I can just look at something and know if it looks good or not. It's just, I, 
I've been doing it for so long. You know, I started out doing fine art as a child um, with painting class and drawing. And then all through um, high school, I was really involved in art. Um, then I went to the Art Institute in San Diego, where I got my degree um, in graphic design. And I, st- and I went into advertising. And my husband, he's actually in the Coast Guard in the military, so we travel a lot. And I worked... Um, I did phone books for a while. So I did all the pagination and all the covers and it was kind of crazy. And somehow I kind of fell into this world of book covers and I just, I love it. It's it's like I found my calling. It's my favorite thing to do. People will ask me to do logos and stuff. And I'm always like, ugh, logos. (laughs) I just, I mean, I just, I truly love designing book covers because I feel like each one tells a story and they're just so different. So what I do, it's not monotonous. I'm not, I'm not bored, like doing the same thing every day. You know, I get excited when I get an email from a new client and it's a new story I get to tell. It's, it's just kind of a fun experience and I don't really know how I do it. Sometimes I get an email and I'll have no idea, not a clue how I'm going to come up with a cover and I'll sit on it for a few days and I'll play around with ideas and it just looks awful. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, I'm lost. I have no idea what to do for this author. And then all of a sudden I'll just get an idea and it works. I don't know. <laughs> and sometimes I'll get an email and right off the bat, I have an idea and I will throw a cover back at them and they love it. And they just don't understand how I did it so fast. And I don't know how I did it so fast, but it doesn't always work that way. What's, just, what's the hardest cover you've done or what's the hardest genre for you? Um, see the hardest genre. Hmm. I don't know. They're all so different and they all just have, I mean, I guess I think, okay, the hardest genre I'd probably say is something with like horror, just because I don't really like horror. And so when I'm searching for images and stuff, it kind of creeps me out, you know, and then it's kind of like, Oh God, that's scary, but it'll work. But it kind of, I, that's just not something I would read. Mm-hmm. So that's probably something that is the hardest when I have to do something really creepy. <laughs> now, what, what, your website is Elizabeth McKee Graphics, M-A-C-K-E-Y Graphics.com, and, and we'll put a yeah. link to that in the show notes. But one of the things that, that makes your site so appealing to me is that you have all these wonderful covers up there, and they they tend to be grouped by series in your Uh portfolio, which makes it really easy to see how you're branding an individual individual series. But the the one thing that really jumps out at me is you have a little bit of everything in there. There are mysteries, there are thrillers, there is horror, um, there's adventure, there's a lot of romance, Uh and uh, it's just – and you can tell from looking at the covers what kind of book it is. And I want to tell a, a quick story, and I, I mentioned this to you ahead of time. I, I was on the site today, and I'd probably been there a half dozen times, but today I was scrolling through, and I saw this cover, and it's like, I know I'm going to like that book. <laughs> and I think the title of the book was like Baca, B-A-C-A, yeah. or something like I that. I have it. Is it this one? Yes, that is it. And it just, like, in my mind, that is a mystery-slash-thriller kind of a book that looks like it takes place in Los Angeles. It looks like, just based on the cover, it's exactly the kind of book that I like to read. And so I just went to Amazon and bought the book because I was so <laughs> interested just based on the cover. And that's that's how important a cover can be to a book. Yes. The book, 
I haven't read the book, so I, I can't oh. say anything about the quality of the book. The cover is great. It looks like something I'm really going to enjoy, but it could be dreadful. I don't know, but it's well, the cover tells author, me I'm going to like he, it. Billy Crane, he's awesome. He's amazing. So I think you'll like it. And there's <laughs> another book in that series, too. Do you, do you have that handy? His, uh, so we have, yeah, these are a Ronnie Baca mysteries. So we've also have L.A. Woman, if you can and, see that. And that's the second one or the first one? Yeah, this is the second one. Okay. Yeah, hold them both up. It's hard to see them together. Great. Okay. And you can see there the color scheme and the font and, and how, uh, how Elizabeth has, has branded this particular series. So let's, let's talk about the idea of a series because you mentioned that early on. The, uh, that's one of the questions you'll ask someone immediately. Is it going to be part mm-hmm. of a series or is it a standalone book? So what's the thought process if it is a part of a series? I don't know how everybody does it, but this is how I have learned works best when I design a series. I usually um, pick a layout that will work with different photos. So not something that is so specific with one photo because each book and each series might have different images. Um, And I always try to use the same fonts. Uh, so like, you know, this one, it's the same font on each book, maybe a little bit different size because LA woman's obviously a little bit longer of a word. Mm -hmm. But if you go on my website, you can see other examples of how, um, I do books within a series. Like if you look up haunting Danielle by Bobby Holmes, um, you can see how her series goes and it's all these little houses and each house on each cover, a different window lights up and there's something happening in those windows. And also the color scheme of the book changes for each book in the series. Now, the the houses are the same across all of the books, but, you know, one cover may be blue, one's red, one's orange, one's green. I like to do that a lot, changing the colors so people don't get confused that it's the same book. Mm -hmm. So I I switch it up a little bit with the colors. Um, But I always try to keep the fonts and the placement of the fonts are always the same. So it's consistent. And... as full disclosure, and for people that are uh, regular listeners to the show, Bobby Holmes was on the Author Biz show a few weeks ago, and that's how I heard about you. You uh-huh. have a longtime relationship with her as her cover designer <laughs> yes. that goes well well beyond when you started designing covers for her. <laughs> yes, she is my mother. <laughs> is that how you came to – was that your first ever cover, doing one for your mom? No, actually um... – When I was doing, back in the phone book business, I started doing the covers for the phone books. And then um, I had gotten pregnant with my first child. And that company I worked for had sold. And my boss then told me that he would help help kind of get my feet going, you know, feet on the ground doing freelance. Uh So he put me in touch with another phone book company. And I started doing Valley Yellow Pages, all of their covers. And then we moved to Alaska. Because of my husband's job. (laughs) That's a change. And uh, my mom started, um, she started this group on Facebook of authors. And she put me in the group. And we just, I just kind of started talking to people. And I started doing covers. And it just kind of caught like wildfire. And I just started doing more and more and more. Um, And I did, I did do all of my mom's covers and a lot of of her friends. And now I just kind of have this like little booming business at home, being able to work and design covers. And it's great. 
Now, other author biz guests that you've done covers for are Carol Newsom, who mm-hmm. who goes by the pseudonym C. A. Newsom, and Russell Blake, who yes. everyone that listens to this show <laughs> would know. You you've done uh, a few covers for Russell. Uh huh. Yeah, his uh, one of his new series I did actually is one of my favorite, uh, The Day After Never. And what's so cool about those is uh, the model on those covers is actually my husband. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because he wanted, Russell wanted um, a very specific looking person in very specific clothes with holding gun, a gun because uh-huh. it's, you know, very po- apocalyptic. Um, so I just had my husband go out in the backyard and pose and we went, we went to an <laughs> army surplus store and uh-huh. we picked out clothing and hats and all kinds of stuff. And we came home and had like a little photo shoot and... Now, whenever Russell emails me, I can just tell him to go back in the backyard and take a picture and put it on the cover. Uh, well, I am totally dropping the image of that <laughs> into here so that people can see it. We're doing, For people that listen all the time, we've, we're also doing video for this one. I hope it comes out well. And uh, if it does, you'll be able to see that cover there. Um, how important is... I, I've, I've heard different things about this. The idea of having a face on a cover. You know, I'm kind of torn. For me personally, like I'm an avid reader and mm-hmm. I I like to come up with the vision of what that character looks like on yes. my own. I don't always like to pick a book where it has a face right on it because then I feel like uh, maybe that doesn't fit who I, the, you know, the character. I don't think it might fit. So I don't try to have people's faces on the cover. Um, I might crop it in a way where you give kind of a glimpse of their face or, you know, maybe a profile or the back of their face. Or, um, But some sometimes it works. Sometimes you, you find that perfect image and it totally fits that character and it, and it works for the book. It just depends on the book. Yeah, I, I'm like you as a longtime reader that I don't know when this started, the idea of putting faces on the books, mm-hmm. just like in general. Mm-hmm. But a, a lot of times if you're on, if you've read the first 19 books in a series and then yeah. the 20th book comes out and there's a face, you go, that's not the person. That's not the character. I, yeah. I know exactly what that character looks like and that's not them. Well, now I know for like romance, um, they sell better when you have you know, a couple on the cover. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's just what sells. So. <laughs> An adventure seems to require a guy with a gun. <laughs> yeah. But you may not see that, that guy's face up close, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like a silhouette of a person or, you know, I like having that human element on the cover. I don't think it needs to be like in your face, the person's face. Okay. Um, the, one of the things that we all hear as indie authors is that when you have a cover done or you, you try and do the cover yourself, it needs to look good as a thumbnail. And uh-huh. that, that sounds like great advice, but it, it's almost like art. Sometimes you don't, you don't know what's really good. You just kind of know what you like. Uh-huh. And when you see something that's a little tiny thing like that, sometimes the colors and the fonts jump out at you, like the that Baca book. Uh-huh. And um, other times, you would your eyes would just pass right over it. How how can we um, learn learn to understand what makes a, a cover that's going to look good as a thumbnail? Well, I think one of the important things is you don't want to have your title too small. You don't want to have your author name too small. Now, ebooks and paperbacks are very different. The design is very different. If you go to a bookstore, 
you're going to see things that you wouldn't see in ebook formats. A lot of times authors will have different covers for paperback and a different cover for ebook for the same book because different, they just, they're just different. They have a different style. Um, paperbacks tend to be smaller fonts, a little bit, um, cleaner maybe. And whereas eBooks might have more pop of color, bigger fonts, bolder colors, because in a thumbnail, you want it to grab people's attention. You know, how many times do you go on your Kindle or go on Amazon or whatever you're on and you're scrolling through, you're not enlarging all of those book covers to look at them. Mm -hmm. You're just scrolling through until you see one that pops out at you. So that's why it's important to have a, have a book that's going to work strongly also as a thumbnail. And, and to work strongly as a thumbnail, they need to work sort of within the genre and, you know, all the other things. So how do you, or, or how do we understand what's right for a genre? Is that something that changes all the time or are are there fairly Um, standard rules? I don't know if there's actual rules. I don't really go by any rules. <laughs> I kind of just go by what I think looks good uh-huh. and um, what kind of fits that style. I think there. I think overall, when you think of a genre, like you think of romance, you're going to think of a couple embracing each other. Or if you think of, you know, mystery, you're going to think of, you know, a little bit darker skylines or clouds or things that, you know, a little bit darker cover mm-hmm. rather than a light, fluffy romance. Um, I think those, I don't think that they're changing. I think those are probably been around for a very long time when we think of different genres and kind of what makes those covers fit into those genres. How can we use our covers as a way of branding ourselves as, as authors and how important is it that we do that? Um, well, I think you can do it by, if you pick a font, a specific font, like if you look at Russell Blake's covers, you'll notice he sticks with the same font with his name. Or if you look at, um, I do a lot of Melissa Foster's covers. Mm -hmm. Um, she's very branded by the font we chose for her name, the way her name is laid out on her cover where somebody sees it, they know that that's her. So, so I, you can stick with similar fonts. I think if you, um, go into say it's your first book, you need to think about that in the beginning on how you want to brand your name. And it's good to kind of stick with that same branding throughout your books. Would it be a good idea for us in terms of branding to use those fonts or a similar font for like our Facebook covers and website headers and things like that so that it's a consistent look? I do a lot of Facebook uh, banners and Facebook ads, Twitter banners, um, all those things for a lot of the authors that I work with. And we stick with the same fonts for names. Um, We pull over elements from covers. So it all kind of ties together Mm -hmm. in the banners. Okay. So that's something that you do for Mm -hmm. your clients. Okay. Yes. Now, speaking of clients, we had uh, someone in our AuthorBiz Facebook group who was, I don't know, clever enough or foolish enough to put up a cover that he had designed for himself in the group. And this is a closed group where people can mm-hmm. be honest about their opinions. And, and he, I think he maybe did a f- three covers and said, what do you guys think? Which one, which one is the best, is the best choice for me? I don't have a lot of money for a cover designer. And he got a lot of really honest feedback. Uh, most of which revolved around the idea that it was really important to have the covers done well. This was going yes. to be his first book, and it, it was really important to have it done well. And your name came up inside <laughs> the group, 
and he contacted you, and you wound up doing a cover for him. And when I saw that cover, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have got to talk to this woman when we talk about covers. It was fantastic. And the author's name is Jeff Elkins, and the book, it was Mencken and the Monsters. Uh And your cover was nothing like anything that he had shown us, but it was it just popped out. And it's like all of a sudden I knew what this book was about. Uh And so sort of walk us through that process of of how did you go? Did he send you the covers that he had done? No, I had no I didn't even know he had done any. No, I had no idea. He emailed me and gave me a brief idea of what he wanted um, and a brief description of the character. And um, what's I just brief? Kind of went with it. What, what's brief? Just like a paragraph. Okay. It doesn't need to be crazy. I don't mean, you know, a lot of times I'll say, okay, tell me about your character. As in um, man, woman, height, build, um, hair color, eye color, all those things. So when I'm looking, I can find um, a stock image that might fit their character. And in his case, or in the case of, of this particular cover, it was a full-on face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And ha- so how – did it match up perfectly with, with his description or well, were the he, descriptions he in the book? Me, he sent me some stock image ideas. Of, okay. You know, he did a little of the research himself. Mm-hmm. So he kind of found um, some images of different char- people that he thought would fit his character. And then I went in and found the image that I felt would work best. And I – can't remember if I used one that he sent or if I found a different pose of the same model. Because a lot of times you can go on a stock site and find one person and then find many photos of that same person just in different mm-hmm. poses. Which stock sites do you find most effective? Um, well, I use Big Stock Photo because I have a monthly subscription with them. So for me, it's more cost effective to pay monthly. And then okay. I get so many downloads per day. Per day? Um, Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. They have all different plans. So you can just pay a monthly fee and you get so many images a day. And and when you're using that, do you go and download images when you need them? Or are you just looking through there on a fairly regular basis saying, I get so many a day, so I might be able to use this, uh, I might be able to use that? No. I I honest I don't just download freely just because it'll suck up all the memory on my computer. Uh-huh. I have so many files. I have like four different separate hard drives. So I I usually just save them. Like if I find an image that I like, you can save it within their website without downloading it. You know, you just just hit a little star just so when I go back maybe the next day, hey, where's that image I saw yesterday that I thought was really great? Now today I can download it. Okay. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. That's all right. Um, go ahead. Go ahead with what you were going to say. Oh, uh, nah, I was done. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, wh- the last question that I had on here was, what's your favorite cover? But maybe you've already you've already given that away. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, I, I was looking through earlier today, and um, I mean, my mom's covers, the Haunting Danielle ones, are some of my favorite. I love how that series has turned out. I also do a lot of covers for George Weir, and he does. He has the um, a Bill Travis mystery, and I think there's about twelve books in that series right now, and those all are really great. Um, also, Randall J. Morris, his books Angels and Demons, those are some of my favorite. And um, Chris Ward, if you check out his The Tube Riders trilogy, those turned out really, really good. I think too. Um, 
There's just so many. You know, I, I think I like all of the covers I've done because I think if I didn't like them, I wouldn't send them to the mm-hmm. clients. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to pick, you know, just my favorites. <laughs> okay. And now when I first went to your site and looked, I was honestly blown away by the quality of the covers. <laughs> and I, in my own mind, I was thinking, wow, this is really expensive work. And then you've got a little pricing button <laughs> over there. So I'm not giving anything away here. I clicked on the pricing button and I'm like, wow, those are really nice covers for not that much money. Can you kind of walk us through your pricing? Well, um, you know, subject to change, of course, <laughs> because we don't know when people um, are going to watch this. I always have kind of like a starting price and it's about $200 for a cover, but it changes based on what we're doing you know if there's a cover that's going to be really labor intensive lots of images involved lots of editing it it will be more um it just depends i usually get a good feel for what i'm doing and then kind of like price it based on that so it it changes it varies i mean i think i'm very affordable in my prices just because i feel Mm -hmm. like i've established so many great clients that keep coming back to me where it works out in my favor. And you've got clients like your mm-hmm. mom who writes a book every three yes. three months and Russell Blake who seems to write a book every <laughs> 10 minutes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, you have, you have clients that yes. write a lot. You, you mentioned earlier um, the difference between uh, digital books and mm-hmm. physical books, yes. uh, the difference in the cover. So for, uh, for an indie author... It, it's really easy to envision what that cover looks like for an ebook because it's just that one page. It's just that one thing. What's the difference between just that and and doing the, the paperback cover or the soft cover, cover um, whatever we call so it? So for the paperback cover, uh, that's an actual – I charge an additional charge to do the paperback because that includes the spine and the back. So that's a little bit uh, more work on my part. I have to get the template. Mm-hmm. I have to lay it all out, um, you know, incorporate images onto the back. There, there's a lot of little things that go into that. Sometimes we may change the front. Sometimes we leave it the same as the ebook. It just depends on the cover and what the client wants. What, uh, what percentage of your clients choose to have the paper cover done as well? Um, I would say I would say most. It's funny though. We usually start with the ebook. We finish the ebook, and then it may be months before we do the paperback. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of tell people because I think sometimes when they come to me, they feel like they have to have everything for the paperback right then and there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's usually not the case. Usually it takes a while. So we, you know, they'll put the ebook out and then email me later and say, "Okay, now I'm ready for the paperback. Now I have a good blurb for the back cover." So then we'll get that done. Okay, how far in advance should people contact a cover designer? Um, you know, I don't I everyone's different. For me, I have a pretty quick turnaround. So usually if somebody emails me, I can usually get something turned around within about two weeks, sometimes sooner, just depending. Okay. Um I know other cover designers sometimes have like a six week turnaround. I don't mine's not that long. Okay, so Certainly, uh, around the time you're sending your book off to be yes. edited, you could contact a cover designer, and if it's if it's you, yes. then the, the cover will probably be back yeah. before the edits are back. Yeah. <laughs> That's safe. Bet. Okay. <laughs> what what should I have asked you that I didn't oh, ask? Gosh. You? 
I don't know. I think we covered a lot. I can't think of anything that was missing. I hate it when I ask that question and someone says something that's just so obvious. I just have to slap myself on the side of the head for not asking. Oh, so I think if you, you have, do have something like that, let me know. Oh, I think you had a lot of really great questions. I mean, I hope I answered them well. No, you <laughs> did. I, I have learned a lot. Now, what's the best way for listeners to find your work? Sounds like it might be your website, but I know you've got a Facebook presence I as do. well. I um, you know, my website, you can just go elizabethmackey.com. It'll route you to my website or um, Elizabeth Mackey Graphic Design on Facebook. You can find me. I do have a Twitter handle, but I am so bad about Twitter. I always forget to go on there. So I, I would say Facebook or you can go to my website, find my email, shoot me an email. Okay. And the website again is? Elizabethmackey.com. And that's M-A-C-K-E-Y.com. Yes. We'll have links to everything that you mentioned in the show notes. So, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was exciting. 